Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, my friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located just outside of Caledonia, Mississippi at 40283 Wolf Road. And I also welcome you on behalf of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten, that's S-T-A-T-E-N Road, near Ackerman, Mississippi, and her wonderful pastor and my good friend, Elder David Wise. We meet 10.30 a.m. at our respective churches every Sunday morning. We invite you to come. We also meet 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening in Starkville, Mississippi. Very easy to find. 200 West Garrard Road, that's G-A-R-R-A-R-D Road, in Starkville, Mississippi, on the grounds of New Covenant Church. That's 6 p.m. every Wednesday, and we would greatly love for you to come and join us. Contact us. Let us know that you're listening, or if you have questions or concerns, Contact us at gospel-of-grace.com. That is the website uh, that is associated with this broadcast. So we would love to hear from you. We'd like to carry on with a series of messages, uh, reading excerpts from a wonderful book by a wonderful friend uh, named Elder Jeff Winfrey. And the name of the book, the title of it is, What Shall We Say Then? Questions and Answers Concerning Primitive Baptist Belief and Practices. And we're focusing on chapter 16 of that book, where Brother Winfrey greatly and wonderfully plainly describes, rightly dividing, the concept of salvation in the Word of God. So, right after this wonderful hymn, Lord willing, we'll be right back with today's message. Yeah. 
Thank you, listening friends, for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. Again, I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I have the pleasure of reading excerpts from a book called What Shall We Say Then? Questions and Answers Concerning Primitive Baptist Belief and Practices, a book that I highly recommend to everyone under the sound of my voice, written by a friend of mine, Elder Jeff Winfrey, who pastors Dawson Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Dawson Springs, Kentucky. Now, last installment on the series of messages, we read for you from chapter 16 of his book, and this chapter is titled, How Can We Understand the Bible's Salvation? Or the term salvation, saved and save. Well, we brought for your mind from the first two parts of this chapter, part one of the salvations under consideration in the word of God. Now, if you listened before, you know that there are five parts that are going to be described here in this chapter. Part one was uh, the planning part, uh, whereas God conceived of redemption and salvation in his son, Jesus Christ, and entrusted a people in safekeep with Jesus Christ before the world began in covenant love. The next part that we dealt with and we described is the judgment part of salvation, where Jesus came and did everything that was necessary to save his people, a people whom the Bible describes as the elect of God, save them for heaven. And every one of them must needs live in heaven because Jesus purposed to do it and Jesus as God cannot and will not fail in his redemptive purpose. So now let's pick back up in chapter 16 of this wonderful book and I'll begin reading. The third part of the Bible's plan of salvation is the life-giving part. The life-giving part is an act of God on the sinner's soul at some point between natural conception and death. This is the born-again part. From John 3, 8, Jesus stated, the wind bloweth where it listeth. And of course, for context's sake, that wind under consideration is the spirit birth, the spirit working and quickening his people. So let's read this part of the verse again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. That means where it determines to go. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God. Very plain words by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, independently, self-sufficiently, and without aid, accomplishes the life-giving part of salvation for each and every child of God that God chose in the planning part of salvation. And for the exact same each and every child of God that Jesus died for in the judgment part of salvation. God's salvation of his children to heaven is a perfectly fit together, perfectly successful process for finally securing each and every one of God's children for heaven. The life-giving part saves from, from spiritual deadness to spiritual life. From Ephesians 2 and 1, it states, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see, today's common belief is that the sinner must cooperate in this part of salvation. But the Bible teaches that the life-giving part is entirely an act of God. Speaking of natural man, Jesus said, Ye will not come to me that you might have life. That's from John 5.40. Jesus further said in John 6.44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Natural man does not come to God unless God first comes to him. The life-giving part of salvation is described as a birth. Can a man cause his own birth? 
Did you have to ask to be born? Could you have refused to be born? What did you do before you were you? As there is no natural will or action prior to natural birth, there is no spiritual will or action prior to spiritual birth. The life-giving part of salvation is also described as raising the spiritually dead to spiritual life. A dead man cannot help resurrect himself from the dead. God alone must give life to the dead. How dead is dead? As there is no natural will or action in the naturally dead, there is no spiritual will or action in the spiritually dead. The analogies of a birth and a resurrection clearly show that the life-giving part is all of God. The Bible teaches Holy Spirit unassisted regeneration. In the life-giving part of salvation, man does not choose God. God chooses man. Man does not first come to God. God first comes to man. Sinful man is impotent to recover himself from the fallen state he is in by nature. He cannot, by his own free will and ability, come to God. The living, I'm sorry, the life-giving part is totally by the purpose, power, and grace of God. God does not save if the sinner will do his part. God does not do his part, but the sinner then has to do his part. No, the life-giving part is entirely God's part. The life-giving part is by God's sovereign grace, period. The fourth part of salvation is the life-living part. This is the part where the born-again child of God lives the spiritual life that he's been given. It is the living what you've been given part. It begins at spiritual birth and should lead to spiritual maturity. More of the Bible's saves or salvations are in the life-living part of salvation than in any other part. Yet modern Christians seem to have no idea that this part of salvation even exists. Most people misunderstand God's plan of salvation because they try to fit all the saves of the life-living part into the other parts. The saves of the life-living part have nothing to do with getting into heaven. They have to do with how we live our spiritual lives while still in this world. The life-living part saves from the practice of sin and saves us to a closeness with God, even while we are still living in this world. If we come to understand the particulars of the life-living part of salvation, we will be equipped to sort out and rightly divide all of the Bible's references to salvation. All the other parts of salvation are entirely of God, but the life-living part is a joint work between the Holy Spirit and the born-again child. After God gives spiritual life, notice that, I stress it because the book stresses it. After God gives spiritual life, you are to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yet you are able to work it out only because it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Those excerpts were from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. You see, my friends, in the life-living part, we work out what God works in. God does not just make us born again and leave us on our own. After giving us spiritual life, God influences us to live the life that he has placed within us. 
With the giving of spiritual life comes direct teaching from God. According to John 6, 45, it says, they shall be all taught of God. Those were the words of Christ. With the giving of spiritual life comes leading from the Spirit. God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's from Galatians 4, 6. Without the giving of spiritual life, ye will not come, no man can come. With the giving of spiritual life, God gives the desire and ability to come to Christ. Spiritually enlivened ears can hear Jesus' invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's from Matthew eleven twenty eight. Once God has given us spiritual life, it is time for us to come to Jesus. It is time to start living what you've been given. Since the life living part is the only part where man helps in the saving, it must be the part where you can, according to Acts 2.40, save yourselves from this untoward generation. This must be the part where the preacher can both save himself and his hearers. According to 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul demanded, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You see, these salvations, these being saved, have nothing to do with anybody getting to heaven. Jesus does that part. Okay, according to Matthew one twenty one. The angel declared to Joseph, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Holy Spirit does that part. John 3, 8 says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. You see, these salvations that's under consideration in this portion come through living what you've been given. This takes a joint effort, being empowered by the Spirit of God, and then choosing and working and obeying by the saved sinner. If God's people turn toward God and live life his way, they can be saved from much despair that comes from turning to this untoward generation. If God's preachers will take heed unto themselves and God's doctrine, they can save both themselves and their hearers. First of all, they can save themselves from drowning in the waves of despair that come into their lives. Secondly, they can save themselves to be able to live an abundant life. Yes, even in this life in which we live today. This abundant life happens when they look to Jesus and walk on the water somewhere above the waves, figuratively speaking. The life living part is the part where man is saved by something in addition to grace. Paul said that, quote, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That's 1 Corinthians one twenty one. Man's preaching does not save anybody to heaven. God saves to heaven in the parts of salvation that are entirely of him, those that we've addressed before this part of salvation. The preaching of the gospel of grace lets us know that God does the heaven-saving parts. To know that God does the heaven-saving parts saves us from doubts and fears about the next world, even while we are still living in this world. Preaching that saves a believer belongs in the life-living part of salvation. Paul said that, quote, we are saved by hope, Romans 8, 24. Paul did not mean that we save ourselves to heaven by hoping real hard. No, God's parts of salvation save us to heaven. We are saved by hope when we come to know that God's parts of salvation get us to heaven. 
The certain hope that God saves us to heaven by grace and grace alone saves us from doubts and fears while we are still living this life. Saved by hope is a life living part of salvation. Jesus said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Luke 7.50. The woman came to Jesus weeping over her sins. Jesus told her that her sins were forgiven. Her faith was not the means to forgiveness. No, forgiveness comes in the judgment part of salvation that occurs on the cross. Jesus did not tell her that her faith had saved her so that she could now go with eternal life. No, Jesus told her that her faith had saved her so that she could go in peace. Faith does not save to eternal life. God's grace does that in the parts of salvation that are, again, entirely of God. Yet when we by faith come to know that our sins were forgiven in the judgment part, then we are saved by our faith in what Jesus accomplished so that we can experience a sense of peace concerning the certainty of our eternal salvation. To experience this peace that comes by faith in Jesus is to be saved by faith in the life-living part of salvation. An important question now. Where does faith fit into all the parts of salvation? Faith in the gospel is not the basis for the planning part of salvation. The Bible does not say as many as would believe were ordained to eternal life. Rather, it declares as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. That's Acts 13, 48. So the planning part was not based on who would believe or whether we would believe. Neither is faith in the gospel the basis for the judgment part of salvation. Jesus has finished the judgment part of salvation, whether we believe it or not. God knows that Jesus finished the judgment part, whether we know it or not. So the judgment part was not based on who would believe or whether we would believe. Neither is faith in the gospel the basis for the life-giving part of salvation. The Holy Spirit independently does the life-giving part without means nor assistance. Again, from John 3, 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. God does not need our faith to let him give us eternal life. Perish the thought. As a matter of scriptural fact, we have no faith until God gives us eternal life, in that faith is not the cause, but the result of the life-giving part. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit according to Galatians 5.22. So the life-giving part is not based on who would believe or whether we would believe. Yet the life-living part is based on believing in the gospel of grace. A life that is lived by faith in God as to the planning part of salvation and as to the judgment part of salvation and as to the life-giving part of salvation is a life that is saved from the fear of hell. It is a life that is saved to know with certain assurance that it will one day live forever in heaven, to believe that God planned to save you personally and specifically before the world began, and to believe that Jesus successfully saved you, yes, again, personally and specifically on the cross, and to believe that the Holy Spirit was pleased to seek you out again personally and specifically in order to give you eternal life, will even now bring you to live a life filled with joy, peace, hope, and rest. Faith in the gospel of grace will even now motivate you to begin, again, living what you've been given. If you are living what you've been given, then you are living a life worth living. If you are living the spiritual life, what you've been given, then you are saved from the despair of living a life of vanity and vexation of spirit.
There is power in believing the message of grace, which leads believers to change how they live. The gospel motivates God's children to live their lives by faith, not just believing in Jesus as their Savior, but also believing in Jesus in their times of troubles. Faith is not forgetting things. Faith is for facing things. Faith is not forgetting life. Faith is for living life. Faith is not just to believe in Jesus. Faith is to believe Jesus as to how to live your life. Living by faith not only saves you from the futility of this world, but also saves you to fellowship with Jesus while still in this world. You see, the life living part of salvation is the here and now part. The fifth part of the Bible salvation is the heaven part. The heaven part saves from the presence of sin and saves to an eternal presence with God. There are two parts to the heaven part of salvation. The first part concerns our spirits when we die. At the instant of death, our spirits go to be with Jesus. Paul said, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 8. Notice what Jesus said to the thief on the cross. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 43. That thief's spirit has been in paradise with Jesus in the heaven part of salvation for the last few centuries now. The second part of the heaven part of salvation concerns our bodies at the final resurrection day. Oh, Jesus is coming back, friends. He will resurrect the dead bodies. He will change the bodies of those who are still alive at his coming. Mortal bodies will be changed to immortal bodies. Bodies of corruption will be made incorruptible. Jesus shall, according to Philippians 3.21, change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. 1 John 3.2 gives us wonderful news. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. All that God designed in the planning part will be fulfilled in the heaven part. All that Jesus saved in the judgment part will see their final salvation in the heaven part. All that began their spiritual lives in the life-giving part will live their eternal lives in the heaven part. These four parts of eternal salvation are entirely of God. They have to be of God. We were not there in the planning part or in the judgment part. We were still dead in the life-giving part. We have no idea how to get to the heaven part. Our eternal salvation is sure because it is entirely of God and in no way hinges on us. Yet the life living part, that does hinge on us following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Let us work out our own salvation. Let us save ourselves from this untoward generation. Let us live our lives by faith. Let us be saved by faith and go in peace. Let us come unto Jesus and find rest. According to Hebrews 4.1, the beautiful words are stated, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Friends, I finished that chapter and I encourage you today, who've been under the sound of my voice today, that you may hear some things from the reading of these, this wonderful chapter 
in this wonderful book. This book is What Shall We Say Then by Elder Jeff Winfrey. You may have heard some things that made you wrinkle your forehead and wonder. I've never heard anything quite like that. I've never heard that from any other pulpit. Friends, I'm not expecting you, and I know my good friend Elder Jeff Winfrey would not expect you to just receive and accept these things because uh, some chicken-eating preacher told you them. We encourage you Listen to these. If you need to, re-listen to them at the gospel-of-grace website and compare these things to the Word of God and pray that the Lord would give you spirit to see and to understand these things. Because, friends, in more seeing and more understanding, ooh, that life-living part of salvation is sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Until we're able to meet with you again, my friends, I pray that the Lord's grace and mercy and protection will be with you all, and God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.